Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Inside the Coach's Office. My name is Tom Murphy Jr. And as always, I'm here with Coach Brian Barnes. And today we got a very special guest, Coach Travis Wiltsius is a former coach of uh, Finlandia University and is now um, back uh, near his hometown of Escanaba, but uh, a neighboring town in Gladstone. And and he is now... um, a coach on the staff at Gladstone High School. And coach, I just want to say thank you for joining us today. How's it going? It's going well. You know, it's going well. I appreciate you having me on today. You know, I'll look forward to it. Coach Barnes, how's um, your you day believe- going? Fantastic. Can you believe it's week eight? Like this is our eighth show. I, oh, I was man, I, can't I was going it. through that today and every week's been uh, fantastic. Last week we were excited to get into a little scheme with coach uh, McIlvaney uh, from St. Mary's Catholic Central in Monroe. We got to talk a power team and got to talk some special teams and and uh, this week we're pretty fired up to have Coach Coach W here because um, get a get a different flavor, uh, unique uh, unique to us from the lower part of Michigan. Coach is uh, coaching way up in the UP, and I'm pretty fired up about how they do things up there. Yeah, absolutely. So let's get right into because I spent some time five years up in the UP in uh, Marquette. And it's a different world up there. Like it's the same state, <laughs> but it is a different world. And I know Escanaba, I like I said, I was in Marquette. Escanaba was pretty close, but Finlandia is up there in Houghton, um, Houghton Hancock, and yeah. that's even wilder, man. Like, like it so can you start off talking about? Just what life is like and what football is like up there in the Houghton Hancock area? Yeah, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, I'd kind of take a step back on it where, you know, like uh, the communities here are very into their sports teams. You know, they're very, uh, they back them, you know. So um, me being, when I was playing football at Escanaba High School when I was a kid, our stadium was pretty large and we'd fill that thing every weekend. And same thing with like Gladstone. We go playing Gladstone. You know that stadium would be filled. You know, and even when you get up to Houghton Hancock, those those communities support their football programs. You know, and it's not you know not everybody's got a college or a pro team down the road. So you take a lot of pride in it. You know, and I think uh, in the UP, you know, as you said, there's a, there's some you know it's a different area. So you know if you're from down in Detroit, you could drive three minutes to get to a different town. Here it's going to be a, a five to six minute drive uh, to get from Escanaba to Gladstone or, you know, just those kind of things. So, but it's a beautiful area up here. It's a different, it's a different, it's more of a laid back atmosphere. You know, it's uh, yeah. hey, how you're doing right. that Midwestern flavor. Um, you know, I'm not saying that's not downstate. It's just a little bit more fast paced down there than it is up here. But, you know, we got some very scenic things up here. You know, you spent some time in Marquette and I don't know if you've ever been like Evan Junction Ice Caves or anything in the winter, but it's like a winter wonderland, all right? Yeah. Like that, that, you know, I live in southern UP now. I used to live all the way up in northern Houghton Hancock area. That's a very different winter. You know, being, uh, getting a two-foot dusting in Houghton Hancock is like a sat, you know, just a, a Tuesday. And it's going <laughs> to go on, you know. Like, yeah. You're probably going to have no school that day, but it's going to be, you know, it's a little bit different. But, I mean, we have four seasons here. I mean, that's beautiful. I mean, if you've never been up here in the fall and seen fall colors, oh. I mean, Finlandia, like our, our foliage that were right next, right next to the field, it was unbelievable. I mean, you couldn't believe how beautiful, you know, and you look over, you know, it's kind of, Houghton Hancock's kind of a different area where it looks more like, uh, like you know, West Virginia. There's mountains, it feels like, you know, around you. There's a canal that separates two, and you got a beautiful view. And then that fall, when those fall colors hit, it's unbelievable. It's beautiful. Um, you know, coach, I, yeah. I, I, um, you know, a couple of years ago when when we got the notification that it looked like we were going to be moved to the spring uh, during the pandemic year and stuff, I actually had a trip planned to go up north because, you know, we love coaching high school football, right? But one of the things that we, I don't get to appreciate is the fall colors and driving up north just because we're so busy in the season. So that was something I was looking forward to. But obviously, I'm thankful I had the season in the fall. But uh, yeah, I can only imagine I've heard the how 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 pretty pretty awesome it is up there. Yeah, I mean all that the whole drive 
that you have through the UP if you're going all the way to Houghton Hancock. It's just, it's unbelievable in the fall. You know, and summers are very fun too. You know, it's, it's like a kid rock video out here. You know, you're on the lake, you have a good time. You know, it's, uh, it's a beautiful place. You know, I've, you know, I grew up in the UP. I spent about five, six years downstate uh, and I moved back. So, uh, and I continue to live here and I, you know, I love the UP and I love everything that uh, the UP has to offer. You can't describe what it's like to get two feet of snow in a night until you've actually lived through it. You know, like people just don't get there. But then the summertime's pristine, man, like around those lakes and, and all that. But let's talk about the football up there, though. Now, how hard is it to play high school football? How hard is it up there to field a team? of talented high school football players up in the UP because it's so vast and the schools are small and the travel is long. How, how hard is it to be competitive in high school football in the UP? You know, I think every, every year is a, feels like the numbers always dwindle. I mean, there's a lot of eight man football up here because of, you know, dwindling numbers. Uh, and the, the schools that we still play 11 man, you know, we're going to hold strong and, long as you possibly can but you know to field the team it's you need to you know it's my first year at Gladstone you know and a big part of getting kids out is you need to get all your athletes you know like in Marquette so Marquette when I was in high school was not a very good football program they a lot of their kids loved to play hockey so they didn't yeah. play football or they thought themselves as fancy basketball players and they would play basketball and they would just say I play one sport and a team like Marquette, which is the biggest school in the UP, would suffer because those kids would not be playing. I don't care who you are, whether you're, you know, I hate it when coaches sit there and say, you know, you got hockey, so you got to go do this hockey. Or like if you're a football coach saying, no, it's only football, it's only football. You know, you got to be able to find a bridge and a gap to make it work. It's, it's tough up here because your best athletes are going to be the best basketball players, the best hockey players. You know, and that's where you got to find that cohesive unit to make it all meld together and say, hey, you can play football at this time. You know, and when it comes to summers and those kind of things where you want to get, uh, you know, camps and that kind of thing, you know, a lot of people like to do basketball camps. and You know, that's very nice and great. But, you know, that's a time where you really need to be hitting that weight room and getting yourself strong no matter what sport you do play, you know, and that's where. I think football teams always been kind of that head of that curve, specifically up here where, you know, you're training. Like, I mean, kids in the summer train here. I mean, whether it's, you know, not always all year round because, you know, here at Gladstone, you know, we have most of our kids are in wrestling in the winter or we have a lot of kids there in basketball and the kids are going to lift for football might only be five or six kids. So you bring those five or six in, the rest of them are all doing the other sports and you kind of wait for them to get off of sports. Now you get them back in. But, you know, it's uh, – I mean, I think we played with 26 last year, 26 or 28, somewhere in that range. Um, and, like, Escanaba, Marquette, they were probably in the 40s to 50s. Uh, and they are probably the biggest schools up here. So, um, you know, getting your athletes out in your school is always big. you got to recruit your – always. I mean, that's always a, a big part of getting – bringing your program to the next level in high school. It's just like in college. You, you do your recruiting and you find kids – that might have raw talent. I mean, you don't want to force a kid to go to play football or force them to do anything. I mean, when I was in high school, they tried to force me to wrestle and you show up to one wrestling practice. Next thing you know, I do not like wrestling. I do not enjoy this. I feel I'm forced to be here, you know? And I mean, those are the kind of things you got to think about is like that. Coach, the, that, the, the number 26 there, is that include, is that nine through 12 or is that including? That would be just varsity. So, okay. Um, we had a JV program too. You know, we had a lot of JVs up, you know, we had a lot of sophomores. I would say a, a big bulk of our team last year was a sophomore driven team. Other than our seniors, we had a really good senior class. Um, they were very good. We had some good, big guys, good skill guys. And right now, you know, our skill, our really good skill players are sophomores going to be juniors. So, you know, sometimes it stinks to be uh, up here. You know, not many people play freshman football up here. So back in my my playing days, like everybody in our conference, the GNC, they would play freshman football. 
So a lot of them don't anymore. I think there might be three or four teams up here that still play freshman football, uh, but a majority is going to be JV. And, you know, your JVs are going to vary by how big your varsity is too because people are going to pull. You know, and I've always been a big component. If you're ever going to pull anybody up, you better be pulling them up to play. If you have – if you, just because he's your next – you know, if he's your sixth best offensive lineman and you say, I need him for depth, that, that totally – Robs that kid of growing with that class as well as his, uh, you you impede his improvement as a player. So, besides the challenge of like you know getting kids out, like like we all face as coaches, and you know we obviously want kids to play multiple sports. You know what other challenges do you think UP teams might face that you know down in the Metro Detroit area, for example, the more south you go, we might not face. And the, obviously, the one that comes to mind right is weather and what you deal with as the season goes on later on. But um, besides weather, talk about maybe some of the challenges you have with travel, um, you know, scheduling games, or when you find a playoff opponent and you got to drive and, you know, play somebody in northern, you know, the northern part of the lower peninsula. Like, talk to me about some of the other challenges, if you could. Yeah, scheduling, you know, the travel is always going to be an issue when it comes to, you know, finding schools, you know, not much like us, you know, there's a lot of schools in the UP that are like us, you know, that 400 enrollment kind of area. But that travel, you know, like a Menominee. Menominee used to play probably a majority of their schedule from Wisconsin. And now that's changing due to some rules and stuff like that. But, you know, even when Escanaba, they have to schedule a Minnesota team, like three Wisconsin teams. A lot of people, you know, it's a shorter trip to Wisconsin than it would be to downstate Michigan. So, you know, that was always, uh, it's very difficult. I mean, even when you think about summer and camps and stuff like that, I mean, uh, we have two, you know, three colleges up here, about four, five, you know, if you don't count the community colleges, stuff like that. But three that play football, maybe one of them holds a, a camp on their campus. The other ones kind of do satellite camps because it's hard to get up there. So they'll go to the kids, you know, so our kids, you know, it's tough for them to even get out to a camp. I mean, when you're down in Detroit, you guys might have camps by Wayne State, Lawrence Tech. You got all these places that are willing to have camps and have your kids to get a valuable recruit process. You know, it's a little bit different for our guys because it's a long trip, you know, from like Escanaba to, let's see, Lansing would be about five and a half hours just to get down there. Like Central Michigan, probably about, you know, four and a half. So you're going to spend a trip to get down there for your kids to go get seen and stuff like that. And that's, you know, travel's a challenge. You know, it was even more challenging when I was a college coach and I was at Finlandia and there wasn't a whole lot of teams around us that were like us. So we went in the MIAA conference and, you know, every, our closest road game was about eight hours to Elma college and everywhere else you're going even further South. So, I mean, you know, those are the challenging trips, you know, that distance, that that's a very challenging thing to deal with. So. Speaking about your time in Finlandia, how difficult of a challenge was that personally to continue doing the grind every day without getting the success of winning? You kept on grinding and, and you know, you keep recruiting, you keep getting kids to come play for Finlandia, but it had to be a just an incredible challenge. It was challenging on a lot of fronts. You know, it, it, you recruit kids from far away to come there that, you know, may not fit the makeup or take a kid from some spot and you put them in the middle of nowhere where there's snow all the way up to your chest. And you're like, you know, we get some kids from Florida and I'll be to our credit. We had some of those kids stick all three, four years, but I mean, it was tough on those kids. You never, they never seen snow until they got there. And I was like, just, you know, been nicer to start with smaller amounts. You know, it was a very challenging area um, to get kids up there on visits and stuff like that. But you know, I, I went there on, uh, you know, the, the UP boy in me started speaking up saying there's going to be college football for D3 kids. Like me out of high school was five foot eight, 250 pounds. I was a D3 kid, you know, and there wasn't a whole lot of options, you know, unless I wanted to go down to Wisconsin, go down the MIAA downstate. And all that sounds like a very far away. So starting a D3 football program in the UP sounded like a, a phenomenal thing and a good fit for me personally in my career at that time. And you know, went up there and had a great time. It was, and there was, you know, there's some good years and there's some bad years. When we went in the MIAA, it was a very tough transition for us. I mean, you're playing against squads that had 150 kids in their program. And, 
you know, we'd be sitting there with our 50 and our flag going, we're going to get after this one today, you know, and it'd be tough. But to the, you know, the kids that were in, the, in that program when I was there, they were tough kids. You know, I was a head coach and went, oh, 20. And that's, you know, on, on a, on a uh, football coach who's ultra competitive, ultra, it takes a toll on a man when you're sitting there and you're, you're looking down the end of that, that double barrel at uh, 0 and 20 and going, oh, we need to have something change around here. It was kind of difficult, you know, on, on the psyche part of it. You know, when I got let go by Finlandia, you know, a bit of a, I could breathe. You know, you, you sit at a program for five or six years and a lot of uh, everything rides on your shoulders and rides, your, whether you were a position coach, coordinator, assistant head coach, head coach, like everything sat on you. And, you know, when you have an elephant sitting on your chest for six years, it's tough. You know, even when we got... Like it was kind of nice because our first game at Gladstone this year, we went up to Calumet. So we got to go back up to the Copper Country. And, you know, we played an overtime game against Calumet and ended up beating them in overtime. And I was just like, this is elated. latest. Like, I had to go in OT to get this win. It's been like three years, man. I need this thing. So, you know, and I told those guys in the game because it was a rainstorm. It was like the perfect, you know, that win after just – Oh, having man. your drought, right? And, yeah. You know, and it, you know, it's tough being a kid in a program where you're own twenty, or you know, I the guys who work there now, I don't know them at all, but you know, I I definitely don't envy them, and I know they got an uphill battle, and it's tough, and I wish those guys nothing but luck up there because it's it's tough. I, I've been in the shoes, and I know exactly. Um, yeah. But I'm blessed to be where I am now, and I I love coaching high school ball. You know, no, I, Coach, I I know Coach Barnes. You probably got a guy. I can see it in your eyes. You're ready to talk. But I just want to know, Coach, Coach Wilson, how did you keep those players motivated in practice during the all the losing? Well, you had to, you know, you had to have some more victories. You had to find some ways to make, you know, things. I think our last game of the year in 2018, you know, I, I was watching semi-pro and I saw the Flint Tropics Mega Bowl, and I sat there <laughs> and I went, boys. This is the Hancock Michigan Mega Bowl this weekend. We're going to get after. We're going to put everything we got in. You know, you got to get kids to get some buy in and have some something to hang their hat on. But you got to find other wins than just on the scoreboard. You know, sometimes you got to go look into your community. What what can we go do to win the community? What can we do to win in the classroom? What can we do all those sorts of things and find some silver linings? You know, and, and yeah. the biggest thing to me is I just didn't want to have. Some kids are good. They're going to have attrition in your program. And sometimes it's kids who, you know, they don't want to be there anymore because it's, it's too difficult. And the kids that made it all the way through are a special, uh, special breed. Because if you can handle that kind of, you know, not having success, I can only imagine once you get that, that taste and that feeling of getting the success. So those kids know how to work hard. You know, the kids that made it all the way through, they know how to work. I know that. They love to hit. You know, that was always a compliment we got. You, you boys like to hit. And, you know, I think that's a little bit of the UP pride and everything. You know, we want to go out there, run power, run ice, and just try to beat up on people. That's always been kind of the mantra of the UP power. Yeah. You know, Coach, I, uh, you know, I get in discussions a lot of time with, with my non-coaching friends about, about this topic because, to me, the NFL is really the only level of football where it's, it's a level playing field and there's no advantages, right? So you have your salary floor and your salary cap. So in theory, everybody is the same. And in college and in high school, you know, there are advantages that certain schools have that other schools don't, right? And so I always say, like, it's not always fair to judge a coach or a coaching staff solely on record because everybody's dealing with something different. I always use the comparison of, you know, Northwestern and Michigan, Right. The expectations are different. It's harder to win at Northwestern than it is at Michigan, just be, or it's harder to win at Vanderbilt than it is at Alabama. Right. And so sometimes, especially in high school football, like that, that's awesome that you talked about, you know, you, you were finding small victories. So, win, like you said, win the win in the community and win in the classroom, because those are still going to be lessons and, and things that those kids are going to take with them. Right. From Finlandia, from that experience, it's going to they're going to be better for it in whatever field or whatever endeavor, you know, they they take upon um, as a as a as they graduate. You know, so, I mean, props to you for doing that. And, um, you know, it sounded like you were doing great things. And, you know, one of the other things I wanted to mention was um, I'm really curious what what would a practice week look like? And this could be, you know, ideally high school football, you know, we could say Gladstone, but it could have been at Finlandia, too. What would a practice week look like? 
in late October, early November, when the, you're feeling the weather. And I'm curious of like, you know, you guys, um, what your indoor facilities are like, or if you're just like, no way, man, we're going to the field. Like we're balling, you know, you see those memes and those pictures all the time, right. right. Where the field flooded or full of snow and it's like too bad coach uh, coach says we're still having practice. Right. And that, and I always think of that. So take me through, if you could, like what a practice week would look like, you know, late in the year, maybe week one or week two of the playoffs and how you're managing that. You know, here in Gladstone this last year, we might've had a little bit of snow, a little sprinkle. It gets cold and that temperature drops. You know, we were practicing probably closer to four thirty five o'clock in the, you know, in the afternoon. And, you know, as soon as that sun goes down, that, that temp drops. So, you know, keeping those kids moving around at a consistent basis to keep their body heat going, you know, and I've always been a big component of that through teaching on film and in the classroom. And we are on the field, it's nothing but reps and trying to get better. We don't got a lot of time out there. And if you got to spend five, 10 minutes explaining something, you kind of burn some of your practice time. But, you know, when I was at Finlandia, so it seemed like every year, like clock, Soon as Halloween hit, the Halloween storm, and it would be a foot, foot and a half, and it's going to be outdoors. And it's uh, we didn't have any indoor facilities. Now I did hear that Nagani is getting an indoor. So right on the back of their field, they were getting, they were they were building in the fall what was going to be kind of an indoor for all athletics, softball, baseball, football, all that stuff. It looked like it was going to be a, a smaller venue, but it looked like it was going to be pretty nice. But at Finlandy, we had nothing. You know, I had my staff. We'd get out there. There's a lot of shoveling. We'd shovel off probably a 10-yard uh, by 10-yard area so we could at least get some some team in and get it on film. It was very interesting. You know, as you sit there and you're shoveling to try to keep up with the snow. And I'll never forget one of the head coaches I worked for at Central Michigan. His name was Dan Enos. And he was telling yeah. me a story when he was uh, when he was the offense coordinator, his first full-time job at uh, Lakeland College. And the head coach's name was Randy Ari. And he said, I looked outside and it was snowing. I was like, oh, man, it's going to be a good day for a football game. And he goes, can I just relax? And then all of a sudden I got a, head, a call from the head coach saying, where the hell are you? You better get down here with a shovel. We got to get this field ready for the game today. So as soon as I got, as soon as soon I had to shovel the field for, um, you know, we had to do a lot of shoveling for games and stuff like that. But we would sh- we would always practice outside. We'd never, never go inside a gym, do none of that. Oh, but a chance that I got a chance to show that I was shoveling the field as a head coach, getting ready to get uh, just for practice. I, I sent him that picture. He said, totally got what you said now. Get it now. So, yeah. So, um, but coach, shouldn't that be the job of like the kids that jumped off size during practice? Like, you know, instead of doing like a lap around the field, you got to shovel snow. <laughs> you know? It's a good punishment. You know, especially if you find the kids ain't wearing gloves. Like, here you go, man. Get that snow out of here. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we there was times where we'd get close to spring and there'd be a lot of snow on the field. You know, we'd get somebody to come plow the snow off the field, the big, the big stuff. But there'd still be some big stuff on the sidelines. And if we had a kid who had an off-the-field problem, anything like that, I'd go, well, he gets uh, spring cleanup duty. Here's your yeah. shovel. We'll see you in about three hours. And you just wow. see the smallest part just cleared out. And you're like, you got a lot of work to do tomorrow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> coach how late in the spring do you get snow here um we'll probably get some snow through march uh, i mean we're still getting snow today so mm-hmm. up there i mean end of april yeah. i mean I, yeah. I i remember i remember yeah. looking at the ski hill one day in june and still seeing <laughs> snow on the hill in houghton hancock it's bananas up there man. it is man you get because at northern we would get it would snow. You'd get a snowstorm in the middle of April. You're like, what the hell, man? I thought we were done with this, man. <laughs> nope. No, you're not. <laughs> Surprise. And, uh, you know, could care less about what your plans are, what you want to do. I know that. <laughs> so I know this is a football podcast, but what, what do spring sports look like for you guys up there out of curiosity? Like, you know, your baseball and softball and whatnot. How, how difficult is that? Are you involved in any other spring sports as well? Uh, not currently, you know, a lot of it, like down here, I, I'm telling you, it's a different world from Northern UP because it's, it's a whole month difference. You know, here, I mean, kids are going to be able to, you know, baseball, softball, they're going to work in the gym. They're going to get their gym time. They're got batting cages. They do all that stuff in there. You know, sometimes you're going to might have to split it with track and field. Um, and they'll go in there, get some stuff done. I remember being in high school, maybe that first week of track, two weeks of track, we'd be in the gym, just working running techniques 
uh, you know, as a shot putter, you're like, when we're going to go do some throwing, I don't feel like uh, learning the bird scratch technique here today. So, but I mean, it's uh, find a will find a way, you know, with the college, like at Finlandia, the baseball team practicing in the gym, but they would go down to Florida for a week or two and get a bunch of games in before they come back. I mean, they barely ever played a home game at Finlandia. I know that. I think they might've played one my last year there. They had a home game, which was a big deal. So, no, but they play a lot of games on the road. And I think that's kind of how they do it probably up here. I haven't looked at the baseball schedule, but I would assume that it's probably more heavy loaded at home and towards the end of the season than the beginning. So I want to talk a bit about, let's get into some, to some real football. Cause I, I know coach Barnes, you want to get into it too. And I know like just kind of going through your Twitter, you love, offensive linemen that are beasts and that know how to block. <laughs> so coach Travis, like what is your philosophy as far as like when you coach offensive linemen? You know, I think there's, I've always been a guy who's all about detail and getting into very detailed ways of things. And when you're in the college setting, you can get away with that quite a bit. You know, you have position meetings, you have, uh, you know, maybe two position meetings. And when you get to high school, these kids got class all day. They come there, you might get, 15, 20 minutes before you go out to practice talk position. So, you know, I think the, it's always establishing a culture within your offensive line from the start that you come in the room, of what your expectations are of coming into that room. And usually I write them out. But the biggest thing I want to see is I want to see, you know, kind of that mindset and a brotherhood that you can group together. I mean, offensive line is completely different than any position out there. Anybody can tell me differently. When you got five dudes that get on the line of scrimmage and they got to play as one, and if one dude screws up, it's a pretty big uh, – everybody's going to talk bad about the entire offensive line. So, you know, the biggest thing is getting those guys on that same wavelength. Get them building brotherhood together to understand because you're only going to be as good as your weakest guy. So the biggest thing is getting those guys in that mindset of being brothers. And I always start kind of with that. You know, I believe – and teaching before I demand. So like, I'm not, I'm not going to go out there on day one of practice. I just installed power or zone and we screw up and I'm going to go over there and yell at some kid just because you know, I'm an offensive line coach and that's how I feel you're supposed to be. You know, I believe that you have to teach. These kids need to know exactly what you are trying to accomplish. And I believe about teaching on scheme when it comes to it, you know, and I believe in teaching every offensive lineman to know every position and on that offensive line, because, you know, if you get your right tap or specifically in high school or even college, your center goes down. OK, my next best snapper might be my right tackle. You got to play center, dude. Now I got to go plug this dude in. So, I mean, you should know how to play off scheme. So if you teach off scheme, you have a better chance. If you teach the kids like if you're the right tackle, you know, and it's power right, you got to do this. Or if it's power left, you do this. They get in that mindset that I just do this, do this. When you teach on scheme and you show them kind of a bigger, not the whole picture, they don't ever, you know, as an offensive line, you just want to give them enough. You don't want to give them everything. And, you know, eventually, you know, once they get older, you know, in college, they get to their junior, senior year, they're like, you know, asking you a bunch of more difficult questions and things like, okay, safety turn, you know, I'm getting this spin down here. What does this mean? You know, this means you got eight in the box, blah, blah, blah. I mean, these guys love, you know, you got to start very low on my totem pole here, but. Coach, I like that. Yeah. You know, you, <laughs> well, you, you talked about, you know, kind of almost like big picture coaching, right? Like you want the kids to see the scheme and whatnot. So I think the comparison for me and what, what we do, um, you know, I, I look at it from like a, a passing game perspective, right? So I know a lot of coaches will teach the route tree, right? So like the, you know, from left to right, 721 to the receivers. Well, seven might be a fade, the two might be a driver out, the one might be whatever it might be, right? And so I kind of look at it, we teach our guys more conceptual stuff, you know, because we want them to see the big picture um, of the scheme. And so, like you said, our receivers, you know, kind of similar, we expect them to be interchangeable, kind of like you do with your offensive linemen for that reason, because you know, they might, they might have to move and play different spots and, and know different concepts and think big picture. Think about the whole offense and the scheme as opposed to just, okay, I got, I got number seven. I know I'm running the fade. 
and that's it. And then they don't know anything else about the play. So I wanted to talk to you about, um, you know, sometimes I think when, when, when coaches or fans think of UP football, they just think, you know, kind of like similar to coach McIlvaney last week with his power T. All you think about is generic three yards in a cloud of dust, you know, T formation, you know, just run downhill. All the defensive schemes are all the same. They're very generic and vanilla. You don't see a lot of coverage in the blitzes or whatnot. And I think that's unfair. You know, from your perspective, tell me, like, what what is the diversity like in terms of offensive defensive schemes and what you see? And, you know, what sort of thing can give, you know, you're an offensive defensive line guy, but what, what are some schemes that gives your offense some trouble um, that maybe we wouldn't consider or I wouldn't consider not knowing much about, you know, your brand of football? Yeah, you know, I think, uh, you know, I, I agree with you. A lot of people think that you look at the UP, you probably think it's a very run heavy kind of offensive place and, you know, three yards cloud dust kind of deal. Uh, but majority of the people here will probably run a, a version of spread, spread read stuff uh, like we do. I mean, we do a bunch of power stuff out of, you know, 11 personnel or 12 personnel. You know, you don't always, you're not always going to get a tight end. So, so when it comes to, the like the diversity in the types of schemes you see every week right so like um you know both sides of the ball like what what's the comment is there a common thread up there does it depend on where you're at in the up um does it depend on the type of kid you have because like i said the assumption is that oh everybody like you know just three eyes in the cloud of dust t formation i formation power i and that's it and they're just trying to you know win game six to nothing you know yeah you know i think there's some programs in the up that that probably run the same uh, offense year in, year out, but not like, like you know, there's going to be some changes to it. Like Menominee is going to run the single wing, but it's not like they're just going to be single wing. They'll do some spread concepts. They'll do different things. They'll show you some different things. But, um, you know, defensively, they're pretty, you know, going to have eight dudes in the box. So, you know, they're believing stopping the run. I think that's what a lot of people think up here. You know, I think we see quite a bit of a 50 front up here with five dudes on line of scrimmage, whether that's three true down guys on the defensive line and two outside backers or just five defensive linemen down that are a four down, you know I mean? It's not like I'm going to see a crazy, a crazy odd front with a, with a four eye and a five on the back and a two eye, not too much of that. So, you know, and coverage is, I think become very basic. I don't think everybody tries to do a lot of hiding coverage uh, up here to, to be completely honest. Uh, it's kind of, this is my shell. This is what it looks like. This is what we're doing. And I'm probably putting my foot in my mouth. There's going to be about four dudes on, <laughs> on that site, you know, on, our, on our Twitter wall saying, Travis, shut the hell up. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right, you know. But, you know, at least my experience is I haven't seen anybody try to hide coverage. You know, blitzes, I wouldn't say there's a whole lot of high blitz. I mean, we've got eight dudes in the box already. So where you're sitting, you know, you might have a couple guys, green dog, just kind of go on their own. You know, everybody's kind of got a different flavor. you got to scheme it up and what they got going. Yeah. Coach Travis. When it comes to UP football in state playoffs, state championship games, how, in your experience, how can you explain what the UP high school football teams, especially the powerhouses, teams that have won state championships, how have they done it? Is it, is it through just the toughness or is it, is, is it some scheme stuff or, or, and, and, and how difficult is it? for teams from the UP to compete in the state playoffs? Uh, you know, the, the perennial schools or school that's schools that always been, you know, down in it. You know, I think they, there are teams that have done a very, you know, like Menominee, they were very, they're a very good football program. Still, they get after quite often. They were very good this year. You know, they run a very similar type of offense for many years, very similar kind of defense. That single wing just seems to be pretty hard when they just, launch you at your face, you know, ice, ice, power. Then they shoot counter on you and they go for about 60. You know, it's sometimes difficult to stop. You know, they're very – the teams are are good. I mean, they have good culture. They have good strength conditioning programs. They, they go all year. I mean, they have the same things that we have at, like, Gladstone. They got their kids play basketball and all other sports too. But they all love football. So, yeah. like, Menominee is a, a special town to the people of Menominee. They – they live, breathe, die by the maroon way. Same thing with like Ishmael. It's the hematite way up there. And it's very similar to the idea of that kind of model of believing in yourself and going. You know, when I see 
you know, and I, and I think when, you, you know, teams, I don't know how it is down there, but let's say like at Gladstone, you know, we, we lost our first round. I'm sitting there as a Gladstone coach going, you know, I just lost to Nagani. I want to root for Nagani to go all the way. Now, you know, you look at these teams, you're going to root for your UP brotherhood. You know, like Westwood was very good this year. You know, I'm rooting for Westwood all the way, Marquette. These are teams I play, and I root for them. And I, I, you know, you develop relationships with coaches and, you know, other players and other programs and all these kind of things. You know, you want to see the success for the UP. You want to be represented in the state tournament. I mean, that's always the, you know, it's a tough route. A lot of the teams around here, you know, they get down to down to a Grand Rapids West Catholic, some other league team, you know, it's going to be very difficult. It's a tough matchup, but, you know, the years that Menominee got through those kinds of teams or Ishpeming or Crystal Falls Forest Park or most recently in Abe Man, you got North Central. I mean, these are these are teams that they go and, you know, they, they believe in themselves and they they found their, their niche and how they get it done and find a way, you know, because yeah. sometimes they don't always have great talent, you know, and, and sometimes – they do have some phenomenal talent, and they, they go even further. But they always seem to be perennial, very good, deep-run playoff teams in the UP. So I hope that answers your question. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Coach, well. Coach, a lot of the schools down here, the, the ones that seem to be the ones that are, you know, year in, year out, making a deep playoff run, have fantastic feeder programs, you know, youth programs. Talk, Take me through kind of what it's like in your experience uh, up in the UP. Do you have a lot of the kids, you know, starting in maybe, you know, fourth or fifth grade, you know, playing football forward in an organization, and then um, they're working their way up to ultimately, you know, play at the high school level? Yeah, I think there's a lot of good, you know, youth football up here. You know, and I think that's uh, for those smaller communities that keep going deep, like Menominee and Ishpeming, you know, they have a very good turnout for their younger youth football. You know, in our at Gladstone, we have a youth football team. You know, I, I could, right now I teach elementary PE, and those those boys come in every day. You know, during the fall, I think it's the coolest thing ever that one of the football coaches is their gym teacher, and they're going to wear their jerseys on Fridays and go out. You know, and it's very encouraging to see, you know, Pop Warner, all those kind of things, you know, and our junior high programs and all those kind of stuff. You know, I'm I'm more of an advocate, you know, for holding off on contact till probably junior high, to be completely honest. But, you know, and that's just just my kind of taste on it. But, you know, I think any football where you're getting a knowledge self-based, whether you're doing contact or not, you're getting a good general basis and, and generating a love for it. And that's how, you know, if you want to be good at football as a, as a community, as a team, you know, it's going to take both. You know, it's not just going to take the team wants to be good. So, you know, the community is going to love it. You know, it's got to be a win-win on everybody's uh, token where you got to get together and show why you need one another and, you know, what's what's good about it. So, but yeah. That's awesome. Look, fellas, um, we're at the, we're at that hour. So I, I think coach Barnes, why don't you uh, ask, Coach Travis, your favorite question to end the show. This is my favorite. Coach, thanks again. You know, like we said, this is our eighth episode, and, man, everyone has been fantastic. So, Coach, we appreciate you being here. You know, um, I want to make sure all our listeners, you know, you can DM us with ideas and questions. Uh, our Twitter handles at Inside the Office, retweet. Um, our shows get the word out, right? We want to grow this show for our, our high school, Michigan High School Co Coaches Association, um, the best that we can. And the big question, coach, is this we we're curious, like what what kind of traditions, um, or is there a special tradition, you know, whether it be at a practice or at a pep rally or or something that is near and dear to you that you've done um at any of your stops um that you think is is pretty cool and unique and you'd be willing to share with us? You know, we, it, I always believe in kind of a subculture within a culture. Like when I was at Central Michigan, the entire offensive line, whether you played in 1986, you played in 1999, you played in 2021, those guys are all called bugs. And they keep in contact with it. You know, it stood for big, ugly bellies. And I don't know exactly where it started from, but the culture just kept on going. And like, even like when I moved to Houghton Hancock and I didn't know anybody, there was a, a gentleman up there who played off, who was a starting center for the Chippewas for a few years in like two, like 99 to about 2002. 
um, and his name was Anders Hill. And uh, I got up there and didn't know him. He had me over at his house for dinner. We had a long conversation about uh, Mike Cummings, who was the offensive line coach when he played there, was the same guy I GA'd for. Um, you know, and just kind of, you know, you built these relationships, even though you had no idea who this person was, but they accepted you like family in just because you're in this bubs, uh, almost like a fraternity kind of a deal. Um, it was always a really nice tradition there. I know if any of the Central Michigan Chippewa O-line bubs listening, they'll know exactly what I mean. It's, I didn't play offense line for, I just got an opportunity to be a GA and coach the O-line there. And I'm, I'm, you know, I'm part of the part of the group there and I get to, you know, kind of get some of the, the positive feedback. I mean, we had a lot of great football players there and, you know, offense line there has been a very big, you know, right now they got two kids who are probably going to get drafted pretty early on that played offensive line there. And it seems they always have uh, that kind of talent going through the draft every year. And it's very exciting to see and, you know, go bubs. Coach, I might I coach at a Catholic school. I might get called. I might get fired if I call my kids a bub, right? No, I'm yes. kidding. No, that that's pretty. They that's call pretty themselves awesome. it. That's <laughs> there you go. That's pretty awesome. But it yeah, is, man. Awesome. That's great, man. Um, so, coach, I just want to thank you again for being on our show and and helping us get. We're trying, like like I said, we're trying to get into every region of the state. Michigan and, and the UP kind of seems to be its own, but like you said, the 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 lower UP and the northern, almost western UP mm-hmm. really are can be two different things. So I do want to end, yeah, I want to end on this because as you can see, I'm a bit of a Lions fan, but I know up there, especially in that Houghton Hancock area, those people root for the Packers like they live in Wisconsin. Where do you stand? Who do you root for? <laughs> You know, I was dreading this question would come down the pipe. Oh, yeah, because I, I, oh, I, I grew so up a Green it. Bay Packers fan so I was in third grade. They lost that Super Bowl to uh, John Elway and the Broncos, right? Third oh, grade kid. Yeah, yeah. And now that I'm teaching third graders, I was a very upset young lad. So I made a, I made a vow to myself that I was never going to root for the Packers again. And I went to my NFL bedspread. My favorite color was green at the time. I looked at the first green team I found. And I'm now a New York Jets fan. <laughs> Very strong. Can ask people around me. Oh man! And I'll stick up for them, even when you know. Hey, we had some good years. We've had hey, a lot of down yeah, years. Yeah, baby, man. Right. You also right. had the butt fumble, man. Oh, don't do that to Mark and Brandon Moore. Don't do it. That's just mean. It's it's, it's all been overdrawn. <laughs> I mean, there's so many other good things you could pick on front of people. Yeah. Like the like the Dan Marino fake spike game. Right, that's another. <laughs> hey, it's not you know. There's also Monday Night Miracles. Let's not forget those. Yeah, uh, that's true. I remember yeah. watching that. That's true. That's true. Winker bets a dude, man. All right, get... all right, coach. Before you go, then we got to get a J E T S. Just as Jets. J E T S. Jets. 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 There we go. I do because Christmas fans being a Lions fan. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, man. I, I'm, I'm bad, sitting right? over here talking trash. I don't have any room to talk trash about anybody hey, else. You know, you guys should do an NFL draft special. You should find somebody from each team to give a comment on their pick. That would be pretty cool. That would be fun. That would be fun. The Jets, oh, because, yeah, everybody knows, man. Whoever the Jets pick, they're gonna boo the hell out of them. <laughs> well, there's What's no that about the Jets fans, man. Like, hey, when you look at the, you know, we got two picks in the first ten. There's a lot of needs, and no matter what, it's going to be the wrong pick for them. So, <laughs> I was—I'll tell you this: when they drafted uh, Mackay Beckton a few years ago mm. during COVID, I was—you know—I see a six-foot, like nine dude, three hundred sixty pounds, just throwing people around. I'm like, this is the best, best pick ever. <laughs> and he's been really good, except when he's hurt. Right. Yeah. You know, my, my ultimate Super Bowl, thinking as a Lions fan, is always, you know, Lions-Browns or Lions-Jets. So that be that would be something if that happened. You know, that sounds like a, like a pseudo-world. Like we just <laughs> – Yeah. Bizarro world. world. Yeah. Bizarro world. Just like yeah. <laughs> Bizarro Jerry. It's, it's always <laughs> No doubt, man. Because we are, man. We all we're in some tough times, but at least you guys have won playoff games, man. At least you hey, got some I'll, of those. I'll tell you this. The, the, well, we had we went to the AFC Championship uh, yeah. two years in a row, 
Yeah. Thank you, Mark. Marky Mark and Tom yeah. Jones. <laughs> yeah. But uh, there's some UP ties to the Jets now with uh, Robert Sala. He played. Oh, yeah. Northern yeah. It's awesome. You know, and he'll Northern do an interview. Yeah, of Northern Jets. Michigan, man. That's my guy. In the background, man. he'll have that Northern Michigan, that Wildcat helmet in the back. Oh, and I'm just like, look at him having his pride. I love it. Yeah. In other words, in other know. words, Tom, I think, I think, I think Coach W is going to get Robert Soleil for us to join the Ooh. podcast. That's what I think Coach is going to do. That's what he's saying. Combine that and my, my Northern Michigan ties as well. We put that together. I think, I think we got something. <laughs> you know. And, and Coach Barnes has all the context, though, man. So, they, like, I'm True. surprised. I'm surprised you don't even know him. You know, I'll, I'll spam <laughs> his. Uh, I'll spam his Twitter. Probably, probably get blocked by the afternoon. (laughs) I don't know, man. If if we when we put this out and we just hashtag Northern Michigan UP Coach Salah, I did. I I think we might have something here. I think you. You know, I bet you he enjoyed some most of his time there. You know, a lot of his teammates. I got to. You know, I know through whether they're from Escanaba or other things. So yeah, maybe I can get one of them to see if they still got his number and kind of say, Hey, these guys would like to talk to you. I know. It seems like it was just yesterday. It seems like it was just yesterday, but that was a long time ago, man. Cause I was, I swear to God, I was up there around the same time he was, man. I think I just missed him or maybe even was up there with him. Cause I was there about what? Two, 2000 and 2004. I think he was there maybe a little bit earlier. I mean, if you really want to, you could also do just a, a special of uh, UP athletes and uh, talk about yeah. Chuck Klingbile and the stories of Chuck Klingbile could go on for about 18 years. Or, <laughs> really? Or the D-line coach at Northern right now, Bob Jerson, he's got a lot of good, they play together. So, I mean, there's some, there's some dudes that yeah. play serious football and, I mean, that's just always nice, you know. Chuck's passed away, you know. Guy rest his soul, he's a good guy. He got to work with him for a while. Um, you know, these you get to meet some guys that play in the NFL up here, like you know, there's Jace Daniels, who I played high school football with. He did, uh, he was on the practice squad for the Buccaneers for a few years, and he was coaching at Michigan Tech till recently. So, um, you know, it's kind of it's kind of fun, you know. That's what's always nice about the coaching profession is you get this fraternity of guys that you just you get to hang out. You get to talk yeah. ball. You get to, you know, you get to meet guys you've never even like you guys have never met before. You know, we could sit here and have a great conversation because of our love for the game, and you know that's that's special. You know, and that's something that football does, and I think football is a very special thing. Sometimes a lot of people don't see the benefits because they, yeah. they didn't play or get around it. Are you hear all this? All the bad stuff i would say there's always a violent game you know you got to be a certain type of person to put those pads on and and knock heads right there's a reason i tell people there's a reason the side every sideline isn't full of 100 kids playing footballs because it's not for everybody yeah right there hell if you had 100 kids on the sidelines and you know 30 of them you're looking at going if i get this kid in the game i'm gonna have a panic attack (laughs) a heart attack out here right when i I mean i coach I always tell people, like, I almost coached every level of college, every level of football. Like, started off as, you know, as a high school coaching some youth teams, started coaching freshman ball, JV ball, varsity, got to go D1. While I was at, you know, at college, I was coaching a, a sorority football team. So I coached the women, D3, back to high school. You know, I just coached so many different levels. You get so many different kind of ways to, find out people work and that's what's always fun is football is a way to spread the love and you know i heard you guys you know i listen to your podcast pretty since you guys started i probably missed oh. maybe two or three episodes so you know nice. you know you guys had some really good good stuff going on here and you know you guys spread some really good ideas um stuff where you know you write down you go that's a really good idea mm-hmm. you know like you had the, the was it you that had the uh like the women's football night where you kind of put the moms yeah. Yeah. And the wives yeah. through practice. I mean, yeah, that's something that I would love to see, you know, and I think there's a, there's a, an admiration that goes to it where a mom or a wife or somebody can see what goes into what goes into football. It's not mm-hmm. easy. It's not, you know, there's some difficult things and you can learn a lot by just being around it. 
you know, and football coaches, um, we're a strange breed. You know, we we're addicted to competition and, you know, and, and just put it, you know, the number one reason I ever got into football is to make a positive impact in somebody's life. And that was it. When I was hiring people at Finlandia, I'd ask my gold star question every time was, how do you want to be remembered as a coach? And if I ever heard, well, I want to be known as the most winning coach. I want to have the most rushing offense. I don't want to be like, no, we're scratching them. Like, I'm not, I'm not hiring guys who are not in for the kids. Because at the end of the day, if they have a positive impact and, you know, when they're 28 years old and they come up to you and be like, I'm really glad you did this or you did that. I mean, that's, that's what it's worth. I mean, there's nothing, there's nothing more rewarding than see, you know, it's almost like, you know, they're not your kids, but they're your kids. And you see them do something positive or even if they do something bad and, you know, they're, you know, those kids are going to be embarrassed that you will find out, or you know, something will happen, you know, but you show them that love, like, yeah, you made a mistake, but you got to learn from this stuff. You know, not everybody's life is going to be easy. So, you know, I just think that's, you know, those relationships that you build and, you know, it's, it's the best part. When it's great, when it's good euphoria, it don't last long. It lasts about five, six mm-hmm. minutes. And it's about time to get done celebrating that locker room and on the field. It's just like, all right, that's gone. And now, all right. We had good waiting, on that, waiting on that huddle exchange to come through about that time, right? <laughs> Ready for the next week's game. Yep. Everybody's like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, coach, game. what's your coach? What's your what's your Twitter handle? You know, we're trying to, like we said, we're trying to grow the game and you know make connections through this. What's your Twitter Twitter handle? If uh, you know, hopefully other coaches will want to give you a follow. Okay, it's at t wiltzius fifty two. That is wiltzius w i l t z i u s. Excellent, thank you. Yeah, and again, our ours for the show was at inside the office and Tom. Fantastic job hosting as always, man. This was this was awesome, Coach. Thanks again for being here. Yeah, appreciate man, you guys I, having me. Yeah, it, absolutely, Coach. Uh, Coach Travis, again, uh, I can't stress it enough, man. I was really excited for you because I got so much love for the UP, and I spent a good chunk of, of my life experience up there, and I had so many positive experiences. And, and it is, like they said, it's just a different it's, – it's a different place, but it, it – it's a beautiful place. And if you, if you, if you've never been there, you, you gotta go, go. If you love skiing and snowboarding and all that, like, go in the winter. But if you love summertime, get up there because, oh man, it's, it, it's majestic. But like you said, the fall is the best time. And so again, just thank you so much for, for talking with us today. And ladies and gentlemen, this has been, Yet another episode of Inside the Coach's Office with 